0: Well I'm I'm Jeremy I'm the youth pastor here at Quest and and uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Ross is actually out celebrating his son graduating from high school today and uh so we hope that they have a wonderful day and I uh, pray the Lord blesses them as they celebrate Derek. Well uh have you ever been on a trip and you got lost? You know, you're, you're driving down the road, um, you're pretty sure where you've got to go, but you miss a turn and you keep on going and you, you're like thinking, oh my goodness, uh, how do I get back? How many turns do I have to take to get back to where I need to go? Um, it can be frustrating. It can be frightening, in fact, thinking about, you know, how you're going to get back there. Well, I remember being in a similar situation almost seven years ago. I was about to ask Alexis to marry me and, uh, and it, I promise you it wasn't the idea of proposing to her that freaked me out. It was actually trying to get to the place where I wanted to ask her to marry me. We we love to hike. And, um, we were out in the Red River Gorge, which is in Kentucky. And, uh, we would go there on dates all the time. And, and, uh, she had this one place that she loved to go to. It was called the Indian staircase. And I had never been there, but I knew that that was the place that I wanted to, uh, ask her to marry me. And so, uh, we were out hiking and, and I was letting her lead me to this place. And, and so we're, we're, you know, hiking down the trail. That's hiking by the way. Um, we're, yeah, um, We're hiking down the trail, and and I, you know, I just hear her say, "I I think that we missed the turn," and my heart sank. I was like, "Oh goodness!" You know, those two words just freaked me out. "I think we missed the turn." See, what she was doing is, um, she she was judging rocks and logs to figure out where her turn was, but they all looked the same out there. And and I I don't really mind walking on the trail and going back and forth a little bit because the gorge is beautiful. Uh, But I had a destination. I had a purpose and we were losing daylight and I started to freak out. And, uh, the reality is we were about four hours into a two hour hike, uh, when she told me I think we missed the turn. And, and, um, I, all I knew is I want to get to the staircase to, um, ask her to marry me. Uh, but we never made it. In fact, um, we hiked for about 12 miles. We ended up in the back seat of a suspected carjacker and then we had to go to a completely different summit in order to, um, for me to pop the question. And, and, uh, it was, it was a completely frustrating day and I, and I know that Alexis didn't mean us any harm by you know kind of messing up the directions or anything like that but um, ultimately what happened to us was she hesitated she hesitated wasn't sure where to turn and we got lost and uh, it, it, it was it was pretty devastating to us I mean not completely devastating the gorge is beautiful and it's there's tons of wonderful summits and we were able to um, you know Get engaged on a beautiful, uh, mountainside, but it wasn't where we wanted to go. It wasn't the ideal for us. And, and, um, and so we missed it because of, of her indecision. Indecision, uh, can change our course. Uh, and while we may not think that we're missing something by not deciding, the truth is when we choose not to decide, we choose not to decide, right? We all know this, um, but but I think that uh, what we miss is in our failure to make a decision for whatever reason, whatever reason we choose um, to not decide, whether it's um, fear or um, you know uh, lack of knowledge, doubt, whatever it is. Whatever it is, um, what we do is we miss experiencing what we're currently open to, what we consider a real possibility. For us at that moment. And we may never get back that opportunity to make that same decision again. Our inability to decide can change our course completely. And, and, and when we deal with the big questions of uh, life, the faith questions, the severity of the impact only magnifies. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt that openness uh, to God or what God's doing in your life. For me, whenever I feel it, it's like in that it's that nauseating feeling in the pit of my stomach that just sits there. And I know that he's calling me to do something, whether it's to pray for someone or to go out and, and speak with him, to share my faith, to give advice, whatever it is. When I get into that moment, it can be really frightening. It can be scary. You know, all sorts of thoughts cross my mind when I feel God working in me. Thoughts like, you know, if I step out, you know, what what will those people think of me? Or what will that person think of me? What what if I ask for prayer? Will people wonder what's going on in my life? Will I look like a fool? What, will God actually answer my prayer? And what about, what about those bold steps when um, we think about going up to someone that we don't know and sharing our story, our faith, or offering advice or comfort or even healing? You know, what, what will those people think? Will they be offended by our faithful step? Now I always start to ask that question if God is even really leading me in that or is it just me? Am I just kind of conjuring that up? Is it really God? And, and that's really where the indecision begins. Now I know that there are some of us in the room who maybe God is moving us in a certain way. And it's our first time to ever take a step of faith. And we're asking those basic questions of, of does God even exist? Is he actually prompting me to believe in him? Now, I remember those same thoughts when um, before I was a Christian. But here's the deal. And this is important for all of us, no matter where we are in our faith journey. If we wait in our indecision or in our doubt... We cannot be guaranteed that we will ever get that opportunity back, the chance to make that decision. We may not ever have that same encounter with God again. Now, how frightening is that? When, when our window of opportunity comes, we need to take it. We need to go through it because we don't know when it will close. We don't know when we've walked too far down the path of indecision to where we can't even come back. So how then do we get past our doubt or our indecision? Remember, you know this is a question for everyone. No matter where we are on the spectrum of faith, we will always struggle with this question. So then how do we get past it? And I think it boils down to just one central issue, and that's, Fear. Before we get any further, I think it would be best for us if we look to the Bible to see how this plays out. Today, we're going to look at an interesting passage. This is the story of, story of Herod Antipas and um, his decision to behead John the Baptist. Now, we're going to read this together. The words are on the screen. We're in Mark chapter 6, verse 14, if you have your Bibles. Um, you can follow along with me, though. Verse 14, King Herod heard about this, for Jesus, had his name had become well-known. Some were saying, John the Baptist had been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said, he is Elijah, and still others claimed he is a prophet like one of the prophets of long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested and had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, whom he married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and a holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Now I'm going to stop here and just kind of talk more about this for a minute. But first, let me pray for us. Well, Lord pray that you'd be with us this morning. Holy Spirit, speak clearly to our minds and our hearts. We invite you here. Amen. Now, I want to take a moment just to fill in some holes in this story. Uh, The people in this whole narrative are incredibly critical to understanding what's going on. And and I've got to admit, I I looked at a, a family tree of Herod, and it's ridiculously confusing. I mean, this family was way messed up. Um, understand. Okay. This is Herod Antipas and, uh, he's a colonial ruler, uh, that forced his subjects to call him King. He wasn't actually a King. Um, he just made sure that they called him that. And, uh, he, he had a half brother named Philip who married Herodias, but Herod favored her. He then seduced her away from Philip and then, uh, married her. Herodias uh, is actually Herod's sister-in-law and his niece. This is a f- messed up family. I mean, really sick. And uh, you have to understand that all this stuff that's going on, what Herod's doing it is just considered disgusting to the Jews and probably everyone else on the planet. I mean, let's be honest. They were... Ugh. Um, but by marrying his sister-in-law, he's breaking Jewish teachings. And as a colonial ruler, uh, one of his goals is to not offend uh, his subjects. Now, John the Baptist, he's got the gumption to call Herod out for his actions. He stood up to Herod and then was in prison because Herodias was ticked off at, at John the Baptist. And this is where the story really gets traction. We're, we're going to focus here on verses 20, 20 and 21. Herod feared John. Now that word feared, when you read it, it actually means revered or respected. He respected John because John stood up for what he believed, even if it meant death. Herod uh, would actually pull John out of prison just to listen to him speak. I mean, think about this for a minute. Uh, John's in prison and Herod would take him and bring him into the courts just so he could listen to the things that he had to say about Jesus. He was intrigued by him. He liked the things that he had to say. And yet, he was also, you know, he didn't like this same man because he said, you're a jerk and you married your sister-in-law and that's disgusting. And um, But here's the thing. Here's the key. Uh, Herod was open to what John was preaching about. Because he recognized a man who was, who had strong convictions, a man of sincerity and a man of goodness. And then we hear this word late in verse 20 that explains a lot about this story. It says that Herod was puzzled. This word has far better translations, but it essentially means to doubt. The Greek word used here is apore. This is an antonym for the, for the Greek word pore, which means to make progress on a journey or to travel. And then apore essentially means to be pr- paralyzed or immobile with indecision and doubt. It's a lack of movement. There's no progress. And so Herod is wrought with indecision about what? About what John the Baptist is preaching to him. John is, is preaching a new world view. And, and Herod's current understanding of life is completely inadequate for what John is preaching. He can't process what John is saying. For him to make progress in his life's journey based on what John the Baptist is preaching. Means that he's going to have to change direction. He will have to make a radical shift in his life. But he remains puzzled. Why? Because he's afraid to. It means sacrifice for him. And John emulates ultimate sacrifice. He believes um, that he will give up his life for what he believes. You see where the doubt in Herod's life comes from? A little sidebar uh, about doubt. Doubt's often thought of as a bad thing, um, but I, I really don't think so. Doubt is uh, really what causes us to stretch our worldview. Uh, For us to move beyond our doubt means that we have to consider our foundations, our rock-bottom beliefs, and then we can make a decision to stay the course or to make a significant change, to keep our worldview or to stretch it a little bit. Doubt isn't bad. It's really a catalyst for growth. But it's only good when we choose to resolve our doubt and make a decision. This is what Herod needed to do, but Herod didn't. He lived in this world of indecision. He flirted with what John had to say, and then his window of opportunity just closed. Herod could have chosen to follow John the Baptist and and what he preached, and ultimately who Jesus was. But instead, he lived amidst uh, his indecision. Then we read verse 21. And this is really the irony. The contrast to Herod is found in Herodias. Let's finish up this passage of Scripture. Verse 21. Finally, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military comrades and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. I'm going to stop here for just one second because um, I need to point out who um, Herodias' daughter is. This is Herod's niece that's dancing for him. And this dance that he's doing is um, provocative. It's... Um, Just leave it at this. It's a disgusting act, okay? And um, and so we'll keep on moving. So the king said to the little girl, Ask for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, Whatever you ask, I will give it to you up to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, Herodias answered, and once the girl hurried at once, the girl hurried in to the king with the request, "I want to give you um, me I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter." The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her, so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring john 's head. The man went, beheaded John in prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother and on hearing this. John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Verse 21. This is the opportune time for Herodias, the woman who hated John the Baptist. She was not a woman of indecision, but rather she knew exactly what she wanted and she made it happen. The nuance here is focused on why this was the opportune time for her. Herodias knew Herod's greatest fear, and she played on it. See, Herod was a slave to what people thought about him. He wanted everyone to like him. He needed everyone to like him. And if he went back on his oath to his grandniece, then he risked losing favor among his friends at the party. He was afraid of losing position and power and face among his constituents. Now, I think this is ultimately what drew Herod to John the Baptist in the first place. See, John was only concerned about what God thought of him. And that gave John great power, power even over Herod. John the Baptist only feared God. He respected God and he had no fear of what people said about him or could do to him. Now, this applies to us because whatever makes us feel most good about ourselves That's what we are a slave to. So if we rely on God for our esteem, our identity, then nothing else can rule over us. But if we find our security in something else, then we're vulnerable to attack the same way that Herod was uh, by Herodias. And Herodias was able to decisively move through her window of opportunity because she only wanted one thing. She wanted to be rid of John the Baptist. She didn't waver. She was not puzzled. She had no doubt. She seized her opportunity. And in a way, she paints a clear picture for us of what it is like to take advantage of a moment of opportunity. Now, I understand that Herodias is like the antithesis of what it means to honor God. But in a way, she and John the Baptist uh, were very similar. They both knew what they stood for, and they both led decisively based on their conviction. And they could because their fear did not create doubt for them. This is key here, okay? Fear is a significant contributor to our doubt. Whatever we fear works into most of our decisions. Think about this for a minute. What are you afraid of? And I don't mean like spiders and snakes and all that kind of stuff. I'm talking about the big stuff. What, what are you afraid of? Death, being alone, not getting married, losing loved ones, losing a job or your home, not being accepted by your peers or colleagues. You know, the list goes on and on. We fear all kinds of things, disease, pain, suffering, whatever it is, no matter how specific or broad, uh, those fears create doubts for us that impede our decisions, Right? we we come to a crossroads considering what direction to go to next but because of our fear we're immobilized we can't move we're afraid to make a decision because we don't know what the outcome's going to be and maybe you've been there you know you have like a, a new job offer in a new city and um, you're afraid because you don't know how that's going to change your life any new direction brings up all kinds of fear for us new treatment for our disease or a new relationship or a move to a new city the new the undiscovered all those kinds of things they're risky that which we fear the most could become a reality and this is really what happened in herod's mind see if he had changed his view of jesus then his world would change no doubt I mean, it would change him for the better. That's what we believe, right? We're we're followers of Jesus. Herod, Herod, though, would have had to lose some of his friends and possibly some of his power, but he would have traded his life, all those things, for eternal life with God. And when we think about the faith decisions, those that we have to make, what about those? You know, from choosing to believe in Jesus to changing our lives because of his teachings, you know, we risk a lot. It's scary, but why? Because that which we fear the most is what we are a slave to. So stay with me here. If you're afraid that by following Jesus you're gonna lose your friends, or you'll be looked at differently, or that and that kind of stuff really matters to you, uh then you likely will not choose to follow Jesus. Because either side of that decision has significant consequences, whether we see it or not. If you follow Jesus, your life's gonna change. Now, I believe it's gonna change for the better, but just looking in at that from the outside can be really scary. So what does it, you know, mean to be a believer? That's something we might ask. How's my life gonna change? You know, am I going to have to tithe? Am I going to have to share my faith? How, how is this going to change my current life situation? What, what does it mean for me to join a small group and become um, vulnerable and deep in my relationships? What, what does it mean to experience and know the miracles of God? How, how are people going to think about me if I believe in those things? What, what does it mean for me to give up my time to volunteer for the church and, and serve others in need? What, what does it mean to talk to others about my faith? What will they think about me? You see, those questions are always going to be there for all of us. And as we face those decisions, we have to look deep into what we are most afraid of. Do we fear the things of the world, losing our possessions, our relationships, our esteem? Or do we fear God and not answering His call on our lives? When you think about it, which is really more important for us, Life the way that we want it, or living life the way God wants us to live it. Now, I just want to take a moment here to pause um, to point out another similarity in this text. Um, I want you to notice the journey that John the Baptist takes in this story. See, the Gospel of Mark actually has two uh, 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 passion narratives uh, here. There's a first, of course, that of Jesus, um, but also of John the Baptist. Notice these similarities. Jesus was falsely accused you know that Um, he was imprisoned, he was tried he was murdered and then his body was taken and it was laid in the tomb of one of his disciples right well John the Baptist was also falsely imprisoned he was tried then he was murdered and then he was his body was taken and laid into the tomb of one of his disciples now I don't believe that these similarities uh, between John's final days and Jesus's are accidental see Herod missed an opportunity with Jesus because he did not act when he was given the chance with John the Baptist. It's as if the author of Mark wants us to see how Herod's doubt forced his window of opportunity to shut. Remember at the beginning in verse 14, it says that Herod remembers the man that he both feared and respected, John the Baptist, when he hears stories about Jesus And what was John the Baptist talking about with Herod? Jesus. During these conversations with John, Herod was given his chance to change his life, to follow Jesus, but he was not willing to change his worldview. He was afraid that his life would change, that he would lose power, that he would lose position, that he would lose authority. And ultimately, once the moment um, that Herodias' opportune time came, uh, Herod's opportune moment closed. He could no longer choose Jesus. And at the end of Jesus's life, we fast forward to Mark 14. We see Jesus and Herod um, coming together once again. And this is where this John the Baptist story is really punctuated. See, Jesus is brought before Herod one last time. And Herod asks him all kinds of questions. No doubt the same kinds of questions that he was asking John the Baptist when John the Baptist was in prison. Questions about who Jesus is, what it means to follow him. And Herod is asking Jesus these same questions over and over and over again. But here's the difference. Now Herod's heart is closed to Jesus. And we know that because the story says he mocks him after he answers these, or after he asks these questions. And Jesus remains silent. There's no chance for Herod to follow Jesus anymore. His window of opportunity to follow him is closed. Now for you and I, the lesson's pretty simple. We don't know when God's opportunity will be gone, so we need to act when we have a chance. We need to move. Sure, we can have a moment of doubt or hesitation. Remember, doubt is our opportunity to reevaluate our foundational beliefs to consider what we fear the most. But our time of doubt must end. We have to answer those questions because we don't know when that opportunity is going to go away. We don't know if we're ever going to get that chance to follow Jesus again. We don't know. So we need to make progress and move forward. We need to make progress and move forward in our faith. We need to not be like it. if God's prompting you to do something then take that step move in that direction If that means to follow him for the first time or the hundredth time do it and what do you have to fear? Let's put this in perspective following God comes at a cost sure But is that greater than not following Him? C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. What C.S. Lewis meant is that if believing in God isn't even important, then what does it cost us? Nothing. But if believing in God is true, then what hangs in the balance? Our eternity. Our eternal life with him that's what's at stake the greatest mistake that we could ever make is not fearing God not respecting him not following him the things that we have here on this earth are only temporary and losing those things can be painful but losing eternity is unbearable When you're faced with following God, whatever that means for your situation, believing in him, praying more, tithing to the church, serving, sharing your faith, whatever it is, whenever you have that opportunity to choose to follow him, choose it over any other fear in your life. C.S. Lewis goes on to say in Mere Christianity, now is our chance to choose the right side. God is holding back to give us that chance. It won't be uh, or it won't last forever. We must take it or leave it. If you hesitate, if you fail to decide the way that Herod did, you may never get that chance back. Step boldly in your faithful following of Jesus. Don't miss it. The risk of not choosing him is far greater than the risk of following him. Begin today. Choose to step through those windows when they're there. And don't worry if you've messed up. Even Jesus' disciples screwed up all the time. Um, Just start getting it right now. That's the lesson. Let's consider for a second um, Peter. Right uh, the night before Jesus was crucified, he sat with his disciples in the upper room and he broke bread. And, And after the meal, Jesus predicted Peter's denial. In Mark 14, 29 and 30, it's, it reads, Peter declared, even if, if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter, of course, later that night, when asked if he was a follower of Jesus, he denied him three times. He was given another chance by Jesus, but we are not guaranteed the same. So will you step through that window of opportunity when God gives it to you? Or will you remain in your doubt? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, in just a few moments. The same way that the disciples of Jesus did uh, when Jesus predicted Peter's denial. Now this is a very holy moment. Uh, The elements of bread and juice represent Jesus' body that was broken and his blood that was spilled on the cross for our sins. When we receive these elements, we're agreeing with Jesus in the significance of his sacrifice that day. Jesus gave his life as an as an innocent man in order that none of us would ever have to fear condemnation and eternal death ever again. His life was the sacrifice for ours. So as we receive this bread and, and this juice, we give thanks to Jesus for his suffering. We give thanks to him for his forgiveness of our sins. And in this forgiveness, we were able to follow him, to have a relationship with God. Communion is a holy moment because this is when we celebrate our faith and our trust and our respect and our followership of Jesus. Big things can happen at this communion table. Will you be open to them? If God presents himself to you today, right now, will you step with him? Will you move closer to him? I'm going to open up this table here in a moment. Before you step out into the aisles to come and receive communion, I want you to work out in your heart uh, any of the fears that you have. Are you holding them higher than your fear of following God? Are you letting them impede your decisions and your life and your faithful journey of following Him because you think losing power, position, or anything else, esteem, is far greater than following Jesus? If that's the case, work it out here today. And I'm going to give you room and space to do that. We're going to, we're going to have people up here who will pray for you. If you want someone to pray for you, or if you want to go and pray for someone, I encourage you to seek them out. Go to them. Pray for them. If God is prompting you in any way, step out. Follow them. Be faithful. Do it today. Don't miss this opportunity because you don't know if you'll ever get it back. today, if the Lord's been stirring inside of you and He's been saying, this is your chance to follow me, this is your chance to say yes to me, then I encourage you to come forward. I'm going to be standing right up here and you can come and we can pray through that decision. Come. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't let the indecision keep you from following Him. Step out in faith today. Let me pray for us come Holy Spirit we pray that you would stir in our hearts that you would move that you would uh, begin to speak to us about the things that you would want us to do and Father I pray that you would give us the strength and the confidence to step out in those ways to follow your word your guidance and your lead. that we wouldn't fear what anyone else around us would see or think but rather we would just follow you Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your death, for your life, for your resurrection, that we can now have relationship with you. So thank you. Move in us today, God. Move in us today. We pray these things in your wonderful and your holy name. Amen. Now I invite you to come and receive communion.